Welcome to season two of Inside Marketing Design. Season two. I'm so excited to be back this year and bring you another set of in-depth interviews with the designers and leaders behind brand and marketing design in tech. This whole series started from a place of pure curiosity for me. In case we haven't met before, I'm Charlie. I'm the creative director at ConvertKit. And for a very long time, I was a marketing design team of one. And I found myself really wanting to learn from my peers in the industry, how they got their work done, how they handled projects, how they approached brand principles. And there wasn't a lot of content out there that focused on this, let's call it non-product side of design and tech. So I started Inside Marketing Design as a way to kind of solve that, I suppose, as a way for me to get those learnings by getting on calls with people and hearing about how they do things. And then of course, as a way to share those insights with you as well. I'm really excited for season two. We have a stacked lineup of episodes. We're gonna be hearing from designers at Dropbox, at Notion, at Figma, at Stripe, loads of great tech companies, both big and small. And so I hope you will subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. You can watch video episodes on our YouTube channel or find the audio only version in your favorite podcasting app. Just search for Inside Marketing Design or head to insidemarketingdesign.co to find links to all the things. We are kicking off season two today with a bang, starting with my conversation with David Preston, who is the brand marketing manager at Sendable. Sendable is an all-in-one social media tool for agencies. It helps them handle post scheduling, approvals, engagement, reporting. And David joined the team about a year and a half ago as the first marketing design hire. Recently, he was promoted to be the lead on all things brand for Sendable. And so he's not only responsible for the brand and marketing design work, but also the strategy behind it now as well. Sendable are on the smaller side of the companies that will be featured as part of season two of this show. There are about 45 people at the moment. And David shared a lot of great advice and insights in this episode for how to get work done as a small team. And I also really appreciate how transparent he was about the challenges that come along with that as well. So I know that if you work at a small company or if you're a solo designer on the team, you're going to find this episode very relatable. Before we get into this first episode though, some more exciting news about season two of Inside Marketing Design is that we have a sponsor, people. Webflow has come on board to support the show for this season, just like they support designers everywhere with their no-code website building tool. I've been a happy Webflow user for many years with my personal websites, and we just recently started using it at ConvertKit for a few projects as well. So if you want to check it out and see how it could help you or your team get your work done and build some great websites without needing to code them by hand, then you can do that at insidemarketingdesign.co slash Webflow, and that'll be linked in the description as well for you. All right, enough preamble. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with David Preston and take a look inside Marketing Design at Sendable. Welcome to the show, David. I'm really excited to have you here and to learn more about marketing design at Sendable, especially like kind of selfishly because you're in a very similar position to me. Like our roles are very similar at our different small tech companies. So let's start with that. Do you want to talk us through your role and where you fit within the org structure at Sendable? Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for having me. So I sit under the growth team. Well, I sit under growth. My boss is the VP of growth and uh, we are part of sales and marketing. So I sit within the marketing side of things. And I recently was promoted to brand marketing manager, which has been more of a 
stream of work management, which mm -hmm. is something you've mentioned to me in the past, which <laughs> I think makes sense. But yeah, that's pretty much where I fit into things. But you are the person who's responsible for the marketing and brand design at Sendable too. Yeah, that's right. So I was actually hired as a visual designer over a year ago now, about 14 months ago. And on my year anniversary, I got promoted to the brand marketing manager. So I've still got the design role. I've just absorbed like the brand side of things as well. Let's go into that more. First of all, congratulations. What are your responsibilities as brand marketing manager? So you, you're responsible for the marketing brand design. What else are you responsible for? The main thing for me now, uh, since the role change has been uh, increasing brand awareness mm -hmm. or, or even just maintaining it, but um, trying to get the brand spoken about, obviously as a web product, getting us spoken about online, whether it's on blog posts uh, on social media and then having customers kind of bring up the brand in person as well mm -hmm. is a big thing so brand awareness is kind of my metric I guess you could say which is hard to measure but that's what what it is yeah and this is like super fascinating for me because when I moved into the creative director role at ConvertKit I I was a little unsure about it at first, to be honest, because I didn't know of any other designers who are also responsible for this brand awareness side of things. So that's why I'm mm. very excited to have you on and be talking about this, because I don't know, maybe some other designers who are also in this sort of like brand marketing manager slash designer role will come out of the woodwork after hearing this episode. So yeah. you're responsible for the brand awareness and like building the brand. And yeah, brand awareness is the metric that you're mainly responsible for. What about the work you do on a day-to-day -day basis though? Like what is the focus, the main area of work for you? Yeah, I mean, it varies from like bigger picture stuff to more individual requests from a specific teammate or somebody in customer support might need something on the help desk or support side. So I guess it's broken down into those two parts where one of the big things I'm working on right now is a long-term brand strategy, pretty much like where we want to be next year and like how are we going to get there. And then within that, I'll get perhaps a more specific request from the sales team saying, hey, we need this asset for a customer who needs a customized dashboard or something. So yeah, it, it varies between big picture stuff and requests. Whereas before, just as the visual designer, it was more like request-based mm. stuff. And uh, how's that transition been for you? Going from being responsible for design, like I'm guessing you were in, well, what, what tool do you use to design in? Well, it's kind of interesting because okay. <laughs> I used to be in Adobe for everything. And okay. I swear, I, can't, I literally don't do anything outside of Figma anymore. Like, right. it's just, it's too, it works too well. And <laughs> I'm just, I'm lucky to not have to create print assets. So yeah, Figma, it just, it's hard for me to do anything else in any other place. If to I can honest, figure out how to do it in Figma, I'll do it. I, I'm like that way with print assets. Whenever there actually is a print thing for me to do, I'm like, can I do this in Figma though? Let me try. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. I've, I've searched online. There's like uh, plugins to convert to CMYK and yep, how yep. to get print colors accurate <laughs> in Figma. I'm like, okay, I'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. So how then has the difference been going from working day-to-day -day in Figma, designing as, as the main part of your job to having the strategy layer added in on top? What's that transition been like? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I've enjoyed it because I'm like, I guess I'm full of ideas and mm -hmm. I can think big picture very naturally. Like I'm, I think of an idea and I get all excited and I'm like, oh, cool, we could do this and that and this and that. So like now I'm being forced to 
like document those ideas and document like a strategy on how to get there. In the past, it was more like, oh, that would be cool to do and then kind of forget about it the next day. Now I'm like, oh, I've actually got to act on that and do something about it. Then it's sharing my ideas with the CEO, the VP of growth, the product designers on the product side, kind of chatting to them about what they think of these ideas and kind of tweezing out the things that people seem to be interested in and seem to work. And then also playing off my own kind of gut feel. Um, yeah, that's important. And then it's about putting it together into a format that people inside the company can then look at it and be like, okay, cool, we're doing this because of this. I'm not just creating this new website to have a pretty site, but it's mm-hmm. like a lead gen tool or it's a, uh, I'll give you an example. Like I want to start po- posting our blog feature images on Unsplash mm-hmm. and that's part of a strategy and then I've got to like figure out how to get people on board with that sort of stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. It's like almost as if sometimes we have to do internal marketing as well as external to get buy into mm. our ideas and, and this type of thing. It's really interesting to, yeah. And thanks so, for that yeah. example too. That's cool. You mentioned the marketing site there. I'm going to guess that that is a core part of your role and the work that you do is taking care of that. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and about the approach to that? Yeah, of course. It's a social media management tool, right? For mainly targeted towards agencies. So mm-hmm. it's a web product. So my, the biggest thing in terms of metrics is converting visitors to trialists or demo requests so that our sales team can get involved as well for the kind of bigger accounts. So yeah, the marketing side is, is a huge part of what I do, whether it's designing for it or adjusting content that's already on it, changing the assets based on changes in the product, that kind of stuff. So yeah, website is a big one. And you're the one designing it. Are you also the one building it? So yeah, so it's a bit, uh, I would say no to a short answer, but I've been learning more uh, CSS, HTML, JavaScript this year. I've made some good progress. Our marketing site is on HubSpot. They have their own kind of language called Hubble and you've got to build to create an editable dashboard for like non-designers or developers mm. to be able to edit stuff. So it's it's a bit beyond like my current knowledge. So we outsource that to an agency and... I really wish I had somebody to like almost a creative developer who I could bounce ideas off because I know that when I design something, developers often will have a response of like, this is cool, but we could do this this way and it will actually be more efficient and more effective. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how the workflow is going now. And do you think that'll be the next hire you make whenever that's possible? I think what it will be is probably go freelance first, Mm -hmm. try and get somebody who's not quite an agency, but somebody who can work closer with us um, without the commitment of of hiring somebody. Because I guess the thing we're a bit concerned about right now is there not being enough work for that person. Gotcha. Yeah. And with your time, you know, split between the design work and the strategy, I can see how that could be a concern, you know, because you wouldn't Mm. constantly be producing new designs for for them to build. Yeah. And with the development, it's like, for someone like me with my knowledge, it's very much trial and error. (laughs) So... I can spend a long time doing one thing because I'm literally figuring out how to do it. Yeah. So I spend 80% of the time figuring it out, then 20% of the time actually implementing it. So (laughs) it can be a bit of a time cost for me to be developing stuff. So how does the process work right now then when when you want to make a change to the website? Well, first of all, do those come about when you want to make a change or are they usually a request from someone on the team to make a change? Yeah, it's an interesting one because, again, it's a bit of a balance 
one of our core values at the company is to be the CEO of your domain, which Ooh, I is, like it. which is really, really cool. So we're trusted. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to say that there's a specific stakeholder on a project because yep. if a problem has been brought to you, it's kind of up to you to like lead the charge and, and figure it out. So mm-hmm. a lot of the times I will have a specific request where it's like, I need this thing for this thing. And you're like, cool, there's not really much flexibility needed there. And then other times it's like, I need this thing. And then I'm like, but why? And mm-hmm. then you get to like the kind of nitty gritty of it. And you actually don't, they don't actually need what they requested. They need something else. So uh, that can be one way that it's done. But I mean, if you want to get into the details of the specific process, requests can come in via the marketing board on Asana. And then the marketing team and the VP of growth, who is kind of the, the marketing team leader, obviously, we will do a bit of a backlog grooming every mm. two weeks and we work in like a two week sprint cycle. Okay. So if that's a, sure. a request, yeah, if a request has come outside of marketing, we'll like review that as a team every second Thursday and then see the urgency if it fits into the next sprint or not. I like this. And this is by the way, the exact level of nerdy detail that I like going into on the show. Oh, awesome. So keep exactly. it all coming. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Asana meetings every two weeks with a backlog. That's cool. I feel like maybe we need to dig into a little bit of the, the marketing team structure, because obviously that's where a lot of your work comes from. Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe what the main focus is for marketing at Sendable? Uh, like mm-hmm. what, what type of, I don't know, marketing channels maybe is the right word. I should probably know that, <laughs> that, that they yeah. mostly use. <laughs> The company is is 48 people at the moment. Yep. Uh, the marketing team specifically is six people. Mm-hmm. Uh, sales and marketing combined is about, I would say, maybe 12 or so. So there's six of us in marketing, inbound marketing manager, customer marketing manager, VP of growth, product marketing manager, myself, and content writer, mm-hmm. social media manager. So our main focus, honestly, is getting people into the funnel. It's, yep. I mean, it's very buzzwordy and I'm not a huge, like I don't love speaking that kind of way about it, but yeah, getting people into the top of the funnel and then trying to get as few people to leave the funnel as possible, of course. basically. <laughs> um, so yeah, and a lot of it is inbound. It's 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 been very new to us to start doing outbound with the sales team actually making some calls to people who have perhaps moved away from us in the past. A lot of organic social media, a lot of website landing pages, getting people to request demos. And then we have started doing more paid social recently. Oh, interesting. And a bit of Google display ads, but that hasn't actually gone live yet. Gotcha. It makes sense that as a social media management app, that social media is a you know core marketing avenue for you. <laughs> Yeah, you know, exactly. It's um it's it's actually a bit of a like I don't know what is the word, a two double edged sword or whatever, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. we're talking about social media on social media, it's very hard to like engage an audience. Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> it's tough. You've got to like really kind of get into the bones of things to get people interested. Let's talk about that a little bit more. What have you done with your brand? Or, or the approach you take to marketing and the design in particular to make that connection and to help cut through the noise, I guess. Mm. I think because we are targeting agencies specifically, mm-hmm. one of the things we like to focus on is almost the free time that having a social media management tool can kind of free up for you. Yep. Either to spend time with your business 
on other areas of your business or more importantly spending time with your friends and family you know so trying to get that kind of aspect into things of like set up this not an autopilot system but something that's going to free up a lot of your time um so that you can grow your business and if their business grows we grow with them so that's that's kind of our like mission is get agencies on board and let us grow together so Mm. that's definitely one side of it but it's yeah it's it's not easy i think just general social media management tips and what works on social media blog content about uh, different best practices on social what channels are working that kind of thing those are the kind of topics and areas we go into Talk, talk to me a little bit more about the Sendable Visual brand. So I know that you were the second creative to join the company, right? Um, am yeah. I right in saying that? Yeah. yeah. So is the visual brand something you established? Did you work on it with an agency, someone else at the company? Yeah, so I was lucky. I came on board uh, just after a rebrand. Why I'll do you lead... say you were lucky about that? <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe... Uh... <laughs> Because I, I was able to like take on this foundation and okay. like build it. But not and have I, to do it all yourself. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's a good thing that Steph, the lead product designer, who that's where he sits now. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing because he was at the company. I mean, he's been there for about six years. So mm-hmm. he knew like the essence of the brand. Yeah. So he knew what he was going to create and how he was going to create it. I've then just taken what he's done and try to build on it, evolve it, but still maintain that initial rebrand. So, um, yeah, I joined as the second, I guess, design hire. Mm -hmm. He then focused only on product and I then took all his marketing responsibilities. And since then we've hired a second product designer. So that team has kind of grown out a bit. And yeah, I guess I I worked with the rebrand. The biggest thing we did, which is actually still in process, is the rebrand of the website. So (laughs) uh, yeah, the homepage was the first port of call. Um, We kind of rebranded that, got new styling, new everything kind of going. And then that was the kind of template for all the other pages that we've slowly started doing. Um, And if I could spend all my time rebranding the site, I would, uh, but it's been a bit of a slow process. Oh, I feel you on that. I mean, I don't know, right now we're actually working on a redesign of a page that I designed when I first joined the company, which was almost five years ago. So Mm. it's like, it's about time, you know, it just happens when you're a small marketing design team that there's going to be parts you're less, less than proud of. Let's say that. (laughs) And these pages just come out of nowhere. Like it just, you didn't know the page existed. Yeah. And suddenly you're like, like, wait, where was this? And you you learn it's getting like thousands of of people visiting it each week. And you're like, oh dear, that's embarrassing. We better get onto that. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, How would you describe the Sendable visual brand? I would say playful. We try not to be too corporate, too serious. I'm actually putting together brand guidelines now. So it's good to actually talk about these things. Good. (laughs) But yeah, I would say it's like relaxed, playful. Nice. Okay, so speaking of the website, something that like a core flow of work that happens for us at ConvertKit is a new feature launches in the product that generally triggers like a change that needs to happen to the website. Is it similar at Sendable? Is that commonly where you find the updates needing to be made? Yeah, I think the biggest is probably product screenshots. If something within the app changes, then we need to update that specifically if it's like a big architecture change with 
within the product. But yeah, it, it will be like an announcement on the product blog and we'll need some a cool header image for the product updates blog. And it will be, there's almost like a, an entire launch process whenever we launch something new with the product. And then I'll kind of come in at the tail end of that for any assets that they need. If it's something a bit bigger, like if they need a video or if we're actually going to run an ad campaign or something to promote this massive change, mm -hmm which is not very often, then I will probably get involved a little bit earlier. Nice. Let's uh, talk through a project. Maybe that could help to like go through your process. Can you think of a recent project that was perhaps one of those bigger launches, maybe where you designed a landing page as part of it and tell us a little bit more about how it came about, how you worked on it, who you collaborated with? Um, let me think. I'll say the request a demo page just because oh. it is quite paramount to the sales team and what they do and need. So that was one of the, I don't know, third or fourth pages that we really needed to rebrand. Yep. And it started out with getting some information from the sales team, first of all. So it was actually our inbound marketing manager who like prompted the update. Cool. And then I had to collaborate with the sales team. What information do you guys need from potential customers okay. or trialists, like company name, email address? Because the form was quite long and I mm. really wanted to get it down to as few fields as possible. Turns out a lot of the fields were needed because of our kind of sales qualification automation process. So I lost a lot of battles in terms of removing <laughs> fields. It but at would least just, you can say you tried. <laughs> yeah, it would just be an email address if it was up to me. But yeah, at least our homepage has got just an yeah, email. Yeah, I was just going to say it. Your homepage is just an email. <laughs> so yeah, we just figured out a way to kind of organize the information better because it was a little bit difficult to digest. So I broke it up into sections nice. that was all done in a bit of a wireframe style, uh, kind of got everybody's okay on it. Mainly once I had the information that the fields that were required, then the sales were no longer involved because they just wanted to make sure that the, the fields they needed were in there mm -hmm. and then kind of collaborated a bit with our product design team because I used a bit of our design system within the fields and the design of the page. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, that was that was a good one. Then it was about handing it off to our agency to develop the actual page itself in HubSpot. And once that was ready, we kind of switched around the theme onto the page and pushed it live really. And then nice. just tested it to make sure it worked. Oh, speaking of testing, is A-B testing or multi-variant testing something that you've you've ever done on on the Sendable website? Yeah, definitely. Uh, specifically on the pricing page, um, mm -hmm. I'm very lucky to have a boss who is very hands-on and he is very much involved in the pricing and the the I guess the kind of where we're going with the with the pricing strategy. So he does a lot of pricing tests on there. We try not to change too much design in, in that kind of test because we're literally mm. testing figures and the order of maybe the way prices are displayed. And yeah, we, we kind of just look at the conversion rates and then just stick with the one that kind of wins. As I start to rebrand more of the sites and more of those pages are updated, that's when I'll probably go back and optimize them and maybe do an A and B and, and see how things are. But to be honest, we don't get like ultra specific about a certain aspect of like a button or a text mm -hmm. size or something. But as long as a new design isn't worse than it was previously, we're okay to move forward. And then yep. from there, we can try and increase that conversion rate. And when you say that, you know, as long as the new design isn't worse, 
do you run an A-B test of the new versus the old? Or is it more ship it and let's keep a close eye on it and make sure that it's not tanking things? I guess for like the request a demo page, we did an A-B test, but after 48 hours or I don't know, three or four days, we made sure that the current conversion rate of the new page wasn't any worse than the other one. And it fortunately wasn't, but because we're rebranding, I'm very much pushing like, Mm -hmm. look guys, we need to get the brand updated first before we can A-B test these things because we don't want an entire old site just because it's winning by 0.0000.1%. Totally. But then again, it's like, it's a very tough balance for the business because if it is something that's crucial, you've got to just take the thing that's winning in terms of getting conversions. So looking more to optimize on the rebranded stuff once mm-hmm. it's rebranded, basically. Yeah, that's that's kind of been our approach as well at ConvertKit. Like we, sh- we shipped a new homepage recently and we did not run it as an A-B test because mm. I was like, I want this new page to be the thing that <laughs> greets people when they come to our site. It's like communicates our brand better than the old page does. And so for that reason, we're going to go for it and we'll make mm. tweaks from there to optimize for you know, the conversion if it tanks or anything. But luckily it's held it's held strong. So that's yeah, a great me- point though. Like to make a decision based on like this is the direction we're going in. And in short term it may be 0.01% less mm-hmm. of a conversion rate, but in the long term it's gonna do a better job. So yeah. And I, it's tough because you understand that some people within the team have their own metrics and their own things that they're measured on. So you have to respect that. But yeah, definitely you want to try and make decisions for the long term as well. Yeah, exactly. That's a really great way to phrase it for sure. So just to continue with this example of the demo request page, how is your process and like relationship like with the developer who built it? <laughs> that is an interesting question uh, because I actually don't know who works on it. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so, so that's that's almost non-existent I, relationship. <laughs> yeah, that's why I say it, it, it would be such a benefit to work with somebody because then at least I know that I've told them something in the past. Mm-hmm. I don't need to tell them again. So every mm-hmm. time I submit a new like ticket with the agency, it could be any number of four or five different people, depending on what their like inbox looks like at the time. Yep. yep. So I often have to repeat myself and... It's a bit of a slow process, bit of back and forth, but yeah, it's 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 hard to say that I have an actual relationship with a specific developer. Gotcha. So it is definitely more like a handed over the fence type of process where it's like, here's all the things mm. you need, then they will email you probably with a, a thing to review before it gets shipped. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big fan of Loom. You'll see me out record Looms all day long. Oh, nice. Like, click here, do this, please do that. Well, okay. Well, since you mentioned Loom and you've also mentioned Asana and Figma, HubSpot for the website, what other Mm. tools are part of your process that we should tell the people about? Yeah, Asana, project management, HubSpot is what the website's built on. I use my iPad, Apple Pencil, and Apple Notes for sketching. I just love the way, I mean, first of all, the way that the pencil feels in Apple Notes is just supernatural and then not supernatural but super space digitally natural natural. yeah (laughs) yeah and if you've got it set up with iCloud and you've got a figma frame open you just drag the png of the drawing in apple notes onto your canvas and you literally just have this thing there and it's it's just so seamless iCloud and notes is is a dream i've tried all kinds of notes apps but it just works 
the best. <laughs> I've been experimenting with FigJam lately as well, but as a company, we use Miro for like processes and flows and things like that. Okay. So yeah, Miro is like more of the tool that I'm using. And then Figma, obviously for wireframing, prototypes, and kind of high fidelity designs, social assets, anything video, you can, yeah, video editing, accounting. <laughs> Love it. And speaking of social assets, I know that something that you do that I think is perhaps kind of unique to, I don't know, to, to the way other companies do it. And you referenced it before when you talked about putting your blog imagery on Unsplash. This mm. is photography that you take yourself, right? Yeah. Lately, I've been kind of experimenting with that. It's definitely something I try and incorporate in my workflow, mainly because I enjoy it to be honest, but also because it gives you a unique spin on things. Like mm. I really love the images on Unsplash and I use them all the time, especially in my personal work. But especially within the social media space, you see a lot of our competitors, you see a lot of other people using the exact same images and they start to become a bit recognizable. So it's just one way for us to stand out and throw in like a, a little bit of our brand element within the photo. So often I'll wear like a sendable hoodie when mm. I'm taking the picture, for example. I love that you take the time for that. It's sort of like the the added level of quality detail that a lot of people don't bother to go to. And you're right, it's something that can help stand out. Is any part of you concerned that if you put these photos on Unsplash, they will become the photos that everyone is just using all the time? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think the idea would maybe to be put them up a little bit later mm -hmm, once mm -hmm. we've got the published article live and then also maybe just post some more of the like unused photos. Yeah, yeah, um, I like that. This is yeah. something we've been doing at ConvertKit for our creator stories. We commission like photography of each creator and if the creator's okay with it, then we share them on a like ConvertKit Unsplash account. And okay. yeah, they've had a lot of use. There's one particular one of Cortland Allen from Indie Hackers who like he's recording a podcast in the photo and we just see it all over the place now. It's really funny. Oh, wow. <laughs> we also talked about conversion rates and brand awareness as some like metrics that you keep an eye on. What else can you tell us about how you measure the success of your work at Sendable? Is there, I don't know, some sort of like goal setting structure you're held accountable to like OKRs or anything like that? Mm, yeah, it's a tough one for me personally, because like I don't have a specific number that I can mm -hmm. target, but brand awareness, we try and keep like I keep an eye on that with Google Trends to yep. see how often we're being mentioned and that kind of thing. But yeah, I don't really get properly judged on that per se or measured on that. Um, but yeah, we use measuring the tools like Google Optimize, mm -hmm. uh, Crazy Egg for a bit of screen recordings and yep. like heat maps and flows of where people are going on the site. But generally it's looking at visitor to trial conversion rate and then visitor to request a demo rate as well. Those are the main ones really that I would say I'm involved in. That makes sense. And how often do you look at that data? I'm really lucky to have to work closely with the inbound marketing manager who looks after all of that. So that's a huge thing that's not necessarily on my plate, mm -hmm. but I definitely get little updates from her every now and then, whether it's at a daily standup or if it's, if something's like really gone bad, like, whoa, we're not getting any trialists today or something, then we know what's up. So I'm lucky to have her to, to work with. Nice. So you can trust that if an issue arises, she's going to raise mm -hmm. it and then you can address it together from there. Yeah. Cool. And she's a boss at that, to be honest, like the way she knows Google analytics and crazy egg and all that it's just it makes things a lot easier for me oh yeah for sure we have a, a data team as well who's super smart and like 
I don't know, sometimes we clash because I'll be like, can't we just run the test? Like, I just want to run this test. And they're like, well, we have to be smart about the way we structure it. And I'm like, mm -hmm, it mm. makes sense. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moving on. What about project management at Sendable? Uh, what does that look like? I'm assuming that as, you know, the manager of, of the stream of work of, of brand marketing, there's probably a lot of that that you have to do. Yeah, definitely. Asana is the go-to place for that in terms of a tool. I've recently implemented a brand design project board in Asana, mm -hmm. and this has been incredibly helpful for me. And it's only been around for about three or four weeks now, but I've created a tag that has every single channel that the brand touches. So it'll be like um, support site, social media, paid social, the website, all those kind of channels. and I can then filter that board based on a channel to kind of get an update on what that channel's doing right now. Mm. So like, oh, wow, we've got a lot of work going on in social or huh, we haven't done much on the website or this is delayed or something. So that's been huge. And at the end of every month, I'm going to start this next week as we record this a week from now, an update to the company where I walk through nice. the brand design board. So that'll be a monthly thing that I hope to introduce. But a lot of it is from a broader perspective is the VP of growth. We have lately, we've been very aligned in our vision and our future. So those updates come either monthly or quarterly as a whole company. And then we have daily standups as well as a marketing team. So those, those are good to kind of stay in sync. Yeah, that is, I think it's really important to stay in, in touch with what the marketing team's working on. Sounds like, like, okay, I'm just, I'm projecting here, but as a designer, <laughs> Designing images for social media, not my favorite thing. Is that something for you that you have to design each one? Are there templates that either you use or that the marketing team self-service? What does that stream of work look like and how do you make it easier on yourself? I suppose is my question. Yeah, I bet you if the marketing team listens to this, they'll be keen to hear my answer because <laughs> I think I'm, I hold on to the, the creative rights on those images a little bit too tightly sometimes. So lately I've been trying very hard to use auto layout in Figma nice. for social assets. So if I get a, a quote, for example, I can paste it into a graphic and the auto layout in Figma will adjust the size for me. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So that, that's been something that has helped a lot in terms of time. But I think being a small team, it's, it's hard for me to expect people to create assets that are up to the brand standards and mm -hmm. guidelines that we want. So I unfortunately, I don't work with like a freelancer or an intern or anything like that. So I just try and make the process as simple as I can on my side by doing little shortcuts and things in Figma. So yeah, that's I smart. think that's that's the only way I get around the issue. And if there is a new type of asset that we get, it, the very first one I make will probably take a little bit longer than normal because yep. I have to set up the asset and the template pretty much. Yep. That's smart though, to make use of auto layout for that. I didn't even think about that for social media images. It's huge. <laughs> uh, auto layout and using um, components for things like Instagram carousels. If you create mm. one long Instagram carousel as a component, create set, set it up, duplicate it, and then make a frame duplicate mm. it, move the thing a little bit. So there's little things, little tricks. 
I like it. I like it. That's that's good. Yeah. It seems like you're making it easier on yourself. My approach to it at ConvertKit has been to thankfully be able to hire a freelancer nice. for it. But yeah, nice. I know that that's maybe that's also the next step then for you, along with hiring the creative developer as a freelancer that you can put on your wish list. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And also, I think it's, I like that you keep, I don't know, the reins tight on it. I do the same thing. I get super nervous about self-service just because we're responsible for the brand, right? And so anything that goes out is ultimately our responsibility, even if we haven't been the one to create it. And so if someone takes a template and perhaps uses it wrong, or I don't know, um, perhaps just doesn't catch the things we would, it you know mm. reflects poorly on us at the end of the day. It's like a constant yeah. battle that I have between making things easier and self-service in some areas, but yeah, still holding things very close because I want to stay in control of it. So I feel you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it, it takes a long time to build up that consistency yeah. when you're spe specifically talking visually. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't take many off-brand posts to kind of break up that con consistency. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's important for sure. You mentioned a bit earlier about how with the demo request page, you took some elements from the product design system. Tell me a little bit more about this. As you've been rebranding, have you been building a design system for the marketing and brand assets in Figma? Yeah, that's a great question. I have been borrowing a lot of it from our product design system and then mm -hmm. adapting it. If I, if I adapt component enough, it will then become its own marketing design system component. Gotcha. I try to do that as little as possible so that if there's updates on the product side, I then don't have to keep in sync. But yeah, that's another beauty about Figma is, is just the design, the way that the design systems work and the components. I would love to create actual website modules as components, like mm -hmm. an entire section, so that when we design a new page, it's like almost drag and drop. How do you stay aligned with the product team visually? You know, do you have weekly or monthly or whatever crits with them where you all meet as a quote unquote design team, like unofficial one uh, to, to stay in touch? Yeah, definitely. We have a weekly design meeting. Nice. Uh, it's the three of us. And I just give them a bit of a show and tell of what I've been doing over the last week. It's less about accountability and more about do you spot anything that maybe you've got suggestions on uh, mm. or I've used a button and then Steph will say to me, oh yeah, we've actually changed that button or okay, yeah. something like that. So it's sometimes you can think you're meeting too often, but then as soon as the meeting starts and something is mentioned, you're like, okay, I'm so glad we met because I didn't even think of that. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's very helpful to meet at least weekly. That's good. Cool. Yeah. I love that you're maintaining that connection. That's something that I feel like we lost for a bit at ConvertKit as our team grew. And mm. we're, we're like getting it back now with every other week, I think it is, that we meet and, nice. and do a crit together. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about some of the challenges or like, yeah, the main issues that you face in marketing design at Sendable. Main one I'm hearing being working with the developer, like you would love to have someone who can be more collaborative on that. What are some other challenges that, that you're facing or like working through at the moment? Uh, I would just say protecting my time because... Mm -hmm. I can be a bit of a yes man. Hmm. Like I do actually protect my time quite well, I think, but then I get a request about something that I really want to do. Yeah. And I, it's like, oh, I dang. say yes. And I'm like, might not tell my boss straight away or I might like, so mm -hmm. it's, it's a bit of a balancing act, but the bi-weekly sprints that we have 
as a marketing team, it does help protect the time because I can, if someone gives me a request, I can say, cool, I'll start this or I'll review this in the next sprint planning. Um, and I don't just take something on straight away. So it, that kind of sends a message to people outside of the marketing team to plan when they request something with me. And like, oh, if I need this in a month, I need to ask David like mm. tomorrow kind of thing. Yeah. So it, it, that that has helped a lot. But yeah, protecting my time is definitely an obstacle. Uh, and then I would say people coming to me with a solution rather than a problem mm. that I can then kind of mold into a solution. So sometimes you'll have somebody ask for something. Um, I mentioned it earlier where that's actually not what they need and yep. something else can be done to solve their problem that's either already done or it's just easier and more effective. Um, and then, yeah, you touched on the website development. That's a big one. Yeah. Just quickly on the planning with these two week sprints, mm. how long do you spend planning for them? Because I'm just thinking like, I don't know, I could imagine myself getting into a situation where I'm spending like way too much time planning because I'm planning so often? Yeah, no, it's a good question. In the beginning, I was like, two weeks is, is tough. And what I've recently learned is that instead of being stressed all the time, you're kind of just stressed for the one or two days before the sprint ends. Okay. And it, 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 I mean, it hurts for those two days sometimes, not all the time. But then as soon as you get to the end of the sprint, you like can breathe again. Mm -hmm. So it's like this constant cycle of like, I can be stressed if I haven't planned well enough or if I've taken on more tasks. It's like pretty much all on you if, if you took on too much. Yeah. But then when the next sprint comes, it's like fresh starts, you breathe, you settle. And I've found in previous roles, it's like if there's no structure, you're just always stressed mm -hmm. because everyone always needs everything now. So I felt that it's actually helped. But in terms of how long we spend on planning, it's every second Thursday, we have a sprint uh, retrospective, then a backlog grooming, then a sprint planning. And if I have something, I would say I'm one of the few in the team who has like things that take longer than two weeks. Right, so I was gonna ask what, that too, yeah. Yeah, so what I do is um, I create what is a marketing rock and in, that'll be in Asana and then I'll break it down into subtasks and then I'll put the subtasks into the sprint so that I've always got the momentum flowing and I'm mm -hmm. doing kind of one thing at a time. And it helps to get my personal momentum going, <clears throat> excuse me, and the confidence to feel like I'm reaching the end of a goal. You know, it wasn't always like that. It definitely took a while to figure that out because in the beginning I was like, yeah, I'm doing this. Then the sprint came to the end and I was like, I'm still doing this. Yeah. And, <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it took a while to learn and, and figure it out, but it, it, it's working well now. That's smart. And just going back again to the demo request page as an example, was that one that fit within a two-week sprint or was it one that spanned multiple sprints? Oh, multiple for sure. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wireframe was about two weeks, I would say, high fidelity for two weeks and then development for two weeks. So you could almost say six weeks on that. Yep. And is that pretty typical for like a new landing page on the website? That would be the time frame that it's completed in? Yeah, I would say so. I think if we had internal developments, it would be faster. I don't mind it taking that long only because we know, everybody knows that we're working on other things. And it's yeah, not just exactly. me working on other things. The sales team are, can't give me feedback straight away. The rest of the team can't give me feedback straight away. So if it was the only thing I'm working on, yeah, we could try and get it done in two weeks. But yeah, kind of spreading yourself amongst other projects as well. Yep, it's like a trade-off, isn't it? It's like we could get it done mm. faster, but I can't literally do anything else <laughs> during <Yeah>. this time. <laughs> exactly. 
Lastly, let's talk about the impact that marketing design uh, has on the business at Sendable. Yeah, what, what do you think it is? The impact that it has, is it treated as something that's very important? Because I find that sometimes the role that we're in, it can be like a, you know, coat of paint type of approach to it that the rest of the business takes. Or sometimes it's like really embedded and seen as a core part. Where on the scale do you think your role fits at Sendable? Yeah, I think it's very important because we are so dependent on kind of inbound traffic mm -hmm. and the VP of growth being our manager. He's the one updating the company on our metrics every month. Yep. So he's very much got his finger on the pulse in terms of what we need to be achieving. So yeah, it's a huge part of that. And, and not only feeding the sales team with leads uh, and high quality leads, but also the product-led marketing, you know, mm. what can we do within the product to keep people in the, uh, or to be not kind of churning and how smooth is the onboarding process, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, and then having the brand spoken about in person. And yeah. I mean, our customer support is a huge part of our brand, which is a huge part of marketing in a way, because mm. they do such a good job that almost... I would say over 50% of our positive feedback is people saying how amazing the support was. That's and nice. to me, that's part of our brand. That's yeah. our brand. It's not our logo. It's not our colors. It's not our website. But it's the way that that customer felt because of that um, interaction with the support team member. So, yeah, I, I almost want to say the whole company is a marketing team, you know. I like um, that. And we just are the ones with the titles. I like it. Cool. And I lied before when I said, lastly, there is one more thing I want to ask you. And that is, what are you most proud of from your work at Sendable so far? Is there a certain project that stands out or a certain, I don't know, piece of customer feedback, a certain goal that you made as a team? Yeah, because of the uh, coding that I've been learning this year and the progress that I've made on that, I'll probably say our new help desk is something I'm pretty proud of. Uh, I can't say I hand coded it myself because it's built on Zendesk and they have like a theme framework and stuff, but mm -hmm. I customized a lot of it, created a lot of like custom HTML sections on the, on the support homepage and then styled it all myself within CSS. And there's a little bit of JavaScript, which our product designer helped me on. So that was cool. Um, but it was just, for me, it was a, it was a bit of a personal achievement because it was, it was like evidence of something that I'd been working on, but yeah, I'd, I'd say that one is probably the biggest kind of personal thing. But then seeing customers, like yesterday, actually, we had a customer take a photo, a selfie of her and her son um, saying, love the fact that I can spend more time with my son because oh. I've scheduled all my socials with Sendable. For me personally, like I love to see an impact and it's hard with such a digital product. Mm -hmm. So stuff like that is is always good. Oh, that's, yeah, I love that. What a lovely heartwarming note to end on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, David. Thanks for sharing all this, for all this detail that you gave. Like I said, we like to get nerdy on this show and the people who listen to this are like, you know, we're interested in the details. So thanks for sharing them all and for telling us about marketing design at Sendable. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me on. I love chatting this nerdy marketing design stuff too.
I also really like the sendable company value of being the CEO of your own domain. I think that's a really good way to approach it, especially when you're a small team. And I think it's clear from the way David talked about his work that he takes that ownership over the brand and the strategy and the design of it all really seriously and truly is the CEO of that domain. I'd love to hear what takeaways you had from this episode though. Those are just some of my favorites. So please feel free to share them with me either in a comment on the YouTube video or tag me on social media. I am at Charlie Prangley across most platforms. <laughs> you can get more episodes of this show as well as links to subscribe in all the places at insidemarketingdesign.co. And I wanna say another huge thanks to Webflow for coming on board as the sponsor for the season. You can check them out along with links to David and Sendable in the description. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next week for another episode.